Growing is painful. Growing can be very painful. And sometimes, and I know for myself in the past, I've shied away from that pain, wanting to protect myself, but healing is on the other side of that pain and really coming into who you are called to be is on the other side of that. Thank you so much for tuning into The Raw and Real Show, where we talk with real people about their raw and real life stories. This is your host, Miguel Aquino. Welcome to The Raw and Real Show. Before we start today, I'd like, to sh I'd like to share a couple of things with you guys. Number one, if you'd like to connect with me, you have any questions, any comments, you can find me on Instagram at miguelaquino01, or you can shoot me an email at luismidw at gmail.com, and you can uh, shoot me your questions, your comments, or if you'd like to be part of uh, our podcast here. And thank you for tuning in again. Today, our guest... Marisa Johns. How are you doing, Marisa? I'm doing very well, thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself briefly. Briefly, okay. So I am 28 years old. I live in Ranch Cucamonga. I am, and I basically live at Abundant Living Family Church because I'm here almost every day. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I have an awesome family. My whole family's from the Caribbean. Um, love music, love to travel. Um, yeah. Great. Great. That's, okay. Is that brief? So yeah, that's, that's, that's very brief. And, and, and thank you for that because at the end, we're going to ask you to really introduce yourself, who you are and where can we find out more about yourself, but that's going to be uh, towards the end. Now, okay. just to break the ice here a little bit, you mentioned you love to travel. Yes. So tell me about that dream destination that you haven't been able to get there just yet. That one spot that for you one? is, yes, the one is like, oh my God, that is my dream destination. That's, that's where I want to go. Oh man. Okay. That's a really hard question, yo, because I could do like a dream region. Maybe. Oh, region. Narrow it down <laughs> to a single country. <laughs> Very hard. Um, oh gosh. Oh, I've always wanted to do, so I, one of my favorite countries I've ever been to is South Africa, and I've always wanted to do like a sub-Saharan African like whole just backpacking trip, so just go through like Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, and then back down into South Africa, um, so I region, uh, but okay. yeah, that's like way up there on my list. I have different like regions that I just like really, really want to hit up. Okay. That's, that's that one's so, South, so South Africa is kind of like your dream uh, destination. Yeah, I've been there. I was there for like okay. five months mm -hmm. back in 2012, okay. I think. Um, so yeah, loved it. Loved that country and would happily go back. Great. Uh, what about your bucket list besides traveling? Is there anything that you would like to experience? Yeah, um, I, would love to, I would love to swim with the dolphins. I've uh, never done that before. So okay. that's, that's one thing that I've just wanted to do. Um, what? Oh, gosh. I feel like I have so many things, but right, right now I'm like blanking. That's the first one that came to mind though, was the swimming with dolphins. Swimming but with dolphins. Like 
I want to actually just be in the ocean with dolphins, you know? Oh, like, I don't want to be, uh, like, in okay. a little pool where I pat it on uh, the head at, like, SeaWorld. Like, that's not what I okay, mean. Okay, okay, I mean, like, I'm out there swimming. One time I went surfing and, like, a sea lion came and so swam next to me. So you surfed? Or it was just something that you were trying mm, out? I just tried. Okay, okay. <laughs> I tried to <laughs> <laughs> but I was like surfing. I thought it was a shark at first because I saw this massive thing in the water next to me and it freaked <laughs> out. Uh, but it wasn't a shark. It was a sea lion. And it just like swam next to me. Then it like went under my board, came around the other side, kind of like just. Did you did get a scared at all? Thing. No, I thought it was so cute. I just, I love animals. So okay. I'm, yeah, it was cool. I would it. probably freaked out a little bit. I never had a close encounter with the some kind of source like that. You know, I'm like, uh, I don't, I, I just, I just don't trust, you know, <laughs> really, I, I just don't trust, um, um, animals that are not like a dog, like a cat, you know, that is That's more normal. wise, you know, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I think I have a healthy respect for animals, but I also, I just, I also really love them. So okay. if I, I will be that person that will be like, can we be friends? Oh. Um, yeah. Okay. That's well, me. <laughs> so, so you love to, you know, swim with the dolphins, but not the dolphins on the pool. You like to like, out in the wild, yeah, in the middle of the ocean, and yep. just have that encounter one on one with the dolphins. Yep, that is outrageous, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, good for you when you fulfill that bucket list. You need to come to the program and let us know okay. how did that go. Okay, um, what are you passionate about? Um, I'm really, really passionate about. I'm really active in my church. I'm really involved in my church, and I. Um, I just love getting to be a part of helping others grow and seeing other people grow and growing myself, particularly in Christ and in what I feel like he's called me to. And so I'm, I'm really big. And right now I'm, I've been thinking a lot just about, just about growing and about multiplying um, and bearing fruit. And so I'm just really, really passionate about like seeing other people also reach their potential um, and and really like pursue what uh, is what God has put on their life and what he's put on their heart. What are some of the ways or what are some of the things that you do to help others on the areas that you just mentioned? So I facilitate, um, I get to facilitate like a leadership class uh, at our church. And so the senior pastor, he teaches the class and I help with like the kind of the organization of the class, managing the students, working like creating the syllabus and um, all of those kinds of like teachery kind of grading, you know, homework assignments, that kind of thing. Um, but one of my favorite things about that is really the opportunity to get to know so many different people and and even just be like a small part of their journey because everybody who's in that class is there because they want to learn and they're there because they want to grow and because they want to go from where they are to where God's calling them to be. And so just getting to be like a part of that and just to talk with them, see where they're at, see like where, you know, like where they feel like they're, because for some people they feel like they're stuck. They're like, I really, I want to know, you know, what God has for me, but I just don't know. Like, how do I figure out what that is? Like, how do I get there? Um, and just getting to be a part of that conversation and whatever part I get to play in that and just letting the Holy Spirit work through me is, um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun for me and I, it's very rewarding. So you help facilitate a leadership class. Yes. On your local church. Yes. That's the church that you work for, and that's the church that you belong. It's like your home church. Yes. Now, uh, you say, and I want to ask this because you are surrounded by leaders, great leaders, mm -hmm. and that class is about leadership 
1,000%. Yes. Right? So everything's <laughs> about leadership. Now, with that in mind, why do you think, with the experience that you have, why do you think is one of the biggest obstacles that leaders, that leaders go through that they have to conquer, that they have to conquer for them to take the next step? That next step can be looked in a lot of different ways. That next step would be probably uh, maybe someone just breaking a barrier of going to school mm-hmm. or someone just uh, maybe uh, just switching uh, their job because of whatever they're doing is not being, they're not being productive or they're not really, um, how can I say this? They're probably not being fully uh, um, engaged because of the calling or the gifting that it's in, 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 in them, in their life. But in the, same, in the same time, probably they are doing their best and they are afraid to take that next step. Okay. As an overall, what do you think is the biggest obstacle that leaders uh, have in common? Oh, that is quite a question. Now, I don't know that this is, but one thing I've noticed um, is people get in their heads. People get in their heads and it stops them sometimes from taking action. They get caught on well, once I know more or once I, you know, am better, once I feel more confident, once I, they have some kind of picture in their head sometimes of either what they should look like, be like, they see great leaders around them and they're like, wow, like they have all of these amazing qualities and things like that. And I think sometimes people just get stuck in their head and they allow fear and they allow self-doubt to stop them from just taking that that step of faith forward. And there's always things like, you know, discipline, being, you know, being more disciplined and, you know, being submitted under the authority that you're under. There's all sorts of things that can be reasons for why people don't go from where they, where they are to like where they want to be or that, that can hinder people. But one thing that I feel like happens a lot is, yeah, people getting people just getting stuck in their head. Like they'll read amazing books, they'll hear great messages, and they'll be like, yes, pastor, amen, pastor. And then you look to see where is the action on that, what you just heard, and people don't take that step, that step of action. And a lot of times I just feel like it's just it's just in their head. They think like, well, yeah, that was like, you know, we talk about sometimes about serving. They're like, yeah, but, you know, like I don't know where I'm called to serve. And it's like, that's fine. Just pick a ministry and serve. Like right. you, you do something. Do yeah, the you don't action, need, that, and that's what you were mentioning. Right now, the from action Damascus, part. like moment. You know, right, like right. The, Jesus is going to come from the clouds and tell them. And sometimes it's like you know, just just say like, hey, they need people to help direct cars in the parking lot. So I'm just going to do that. And through your serving, God reveals so much. And so sometimes I feel like people just get in their head and they get stuck and they don't. They don't just take that step and they don't just 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 do something, just move. And yeah, yeah. Do, do you think that's applicable if we look on the secular world or on someone that is not related to church? 
Yeah. So like, are you saying somebody like in their, in their workplace? Yeah. Or, or someone that probably is not a religious person, someone that doesn't probably even acknowledge God, Yeah. you know, but they are out there and there's something stopping them from taking that extra step, from taking that next step. Let me see. So, because um, I'm trying to like frame the the scenario in my head. So, do you mean more like somebody who's in, say, in that the doesn't workplace, have to do? They're doing a great job, but they're not happy where they are, or something like something along the lines more of like, uh, okay, uh, what you describe kind of like falls perfectly on ministry or on church related things. Yeah, right. Like serving, you use the word serving. Yeah, and all of those things. But can we use the same definitions? Can we use the same thing? If we are talking about outside of church, if we are talking about outside of ministry, yeah. someone that like a like a parent, you yeah. know, that it's on the workplace out there that they have their job, but they are afraid of taking the next step for whatever reason. Is that something that can be related relatable to the audience out there that probably don't even have a clue of what church is like? Yeah, honestly, I think so. Um, I think that like. I think for a lot of um, for a lot of us, even on because I came from a secular work background, like I was only in ministry, like in the later part of my like now and for the last couple of years before that, it was all it was all secular work. And I think I think with that, it can be a couple of different things. Um, and it really kind of depends on the environment. I remember when I was working in the school, in the school system, the public school system, I saw teachers who had a lot of passion for what they did and for their students, but there was so much red tape in dictating what they could do that that passion kind of died a little bit. Define the that. red tape. Red tape kind of like rules, silly rules that make no sense mm. that I was always breaking because I was that person. <laughs> so. so instead of making things easier and more productive, the red tape is that rule that, why do we have this rule? Exactly. Oh, okay. Is that rule. Got it. Uh, and, and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to get reprimanded. I'm going to get in trouble, but it's stopping me from being as effective as I want to be. And so that can be really frustrating. But yeah, I think too, now I'm just I'm just speaking off the cuff here, like as we just talk. So please do thank correct you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I just get the impression too that for a lot of people they make sometimes make career decisions that's not based off of their actual gifting, their actual passion, or what is really meant for them to do. Sometimes we make it based off of location, we make it based off of convenience, or we make it based off of what the benefits are going to be in the paycheck. And I just see a lot of people who are either unhappy or unfulfilled in what they're doing with their lives, with their careers. Wow, you just said a whole lot. Now, <laughs> that was a very deep uh, answer. Now, with that in mind, what would you tell that person? Or is there a way for us to find out, according to the gifting that we have, something that you can share with us and to the audience like, hey, if you do this, it would probably be easier for you to find out your gifting. Is there any, anything that you may be able to share with us that it just comes right off, you know, right off the back from like whatever you're thinking right now? 
I mean, I think off the top of my head, I think I think a couple of things. I think that we're really, really good at criticizing ourselves and we're not good at recognizing what we're good at and what our gifts are. So I feel like that is like kind of the first problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. Because there's a lot of people who it's like, well, what are you good at? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, you're 50 years old. You've had 50 years with yourself. How do you not know what you're good at? You got it. Like, even if, I, if you're 20 years old, I'm 25 years old, it's like you got to have some inkling, some inkling. And sometimes I think it's that we spend so much time, like, giving ourselves a hard time. And a lot of times, too, even just in how we're raised or how we grow up, um, we get recognized the way the world works. We get recognized usually more for when we do something wrong than for when we do something right. So it's like when you mess up, that's when you get called out. When you are misbehaving, like that's when you're hearing your name a lot more as opposed to just like, wow, you did a great job at this. Wow. Like just that praise and encouragement. I think we hear more negative and I think we self-talk more negative about ourselves. And so well, I, I see what you just mentioned, and I, it makes me think about my son. You know, that is a great advice even just for parenting. Because most of the time, I'm going to be honest with you and transparent. Uh, yes, I'm pretty much telling my son, Caleb, hey, stop doing that. Hey, everything is more negative. And when he, did, when he does something great, something good, I just give him, hey, yeah, high five, great job, you know. Uh, but sometimes it's too small. You mm-hmm. know, the gratification on that is too small. Yeah. And I think too, just, we're not always told like, Hey, I really recognize that like, you're good at this. I see this in you. I think most people are not raised hearing those things. Um, we're kind of just left to sort of figure it out, kind of navigate it ourselves. Um, and we don't get a lot of that kind of affirmation I think while we're being while we're growing up so I think by the time we get to adulthood and then it's like okay well what are your strengths what are your gifts what are you great at and we spent most of our lives hearing what we should stop doing what's wrong with us I ask anybody you ask okay list all the things that you're not great at or that you wish you could change about yourself or that you wish you could improve on or that you need to grow in we could come up with a whole laundry list of things. Okay, tell me what you're really great at. Tell me what you excel in. Tell me what you're, you're, what you're gifted in, what you're talented in. I can come up with maybe three or four things. It's for like people, it's like we come up with like a few little things for that. And then we feel awkward even saying that because we feel like we're bragging. Right. And I was just going to tap a little bit into that because sometimes we have the misconception of like, well, if I talk about myself, that person is going to take it like I'm bragging about myself, like, mm-hmm. oh, look, I'm A, B, and C, and I know how to do A, B, and C. But what you are saying is, no, that's really getting to know who you are and what your gifting is. Yeah. Correct? And I mean, I don't know that we necessarily need to go around telling people this is what I'm great at, but right. you got to tell yourself that. Mm. Like, you got to recognize yourself. Like, What about for a job interview? What do you think about that? If we yeah, go to a well, job interview. Yeah, well, you got to sell yourself. And that's right. the thing. We're so used to, that's why so many people are so awkward in job interviews. Because we spend our whole lives telling ourselves all the things we're bad at. And now I have to sit in front of this boss and try to tell him what I'm good at. And now I feel kind of awkward. And I'm kind of like, um, yeah, well, I, you know, and it's just, right. and it's just uncomfortable. And so, 
I think I'm like, we gotta be, we have to be honest with ourselves and truthful mm. in our, with ourselves. And I think that sometimes for some people, we're so concerned about puffing ourselves up or about like, or about being that kind of arrogant, braggadocious person that we all don't like. We're so concerned and we're trying to swing away from that, mm. that we go too far on the other end. And now we can't even recognize like, hey, you know what? I'm really good at this. Like I'm, I'm a very patient person. I'm a, a great listener. I'm very, I'm great with details. I'm very organized. You know, I, I'm very good at, or I'm very good at speaking with people, relating to people. I can make people feel comfortable. Mm. Whatever it is, a lot of these different things or we do recognize some of those things, but we don't think they're that great. It's like, well, I'm very organized. I have great attention to detail, but like, whatever. And that we, may be because we are comparing ourselves with someone yes. else's. Yeah, because we think, okay, a talent or a gift is like, oh, wow, this person's an amazing singer. Or like, oh, wow, like this person, you know, can whatever it is. They know it all. Like, they're very smart. You know, they know they're very smart. They've got this great together. IQ. Right. They've got a PhD and stuff like that. And like, that's all great. But like there are other gifts and talents that are equally as valid. And so a lot of times, even if we do recognize what we're good at, we depreciate it and we say that it's not as good as something else. And so I feel like when when it comes to that, like I think we got to be really honest and really truthful with ourselves. And And if you have somebody that's in your life that is somebody who is very close to you, like and you're like I can't identify I cannot identify in myself like what my talents or my gifts are I would go to that person that best friend that sister that brother and be like okay I need to have like a real conversation with you like I'm sitting here trying to figure out like what my strengths are and what my talents are what do you see in me because I can't like I can't see it right and so like ask that person like like help help me out with this yeah. and everybody has things that are within them. We just don't always recognize them mm. within ourselves. That's so good. And so, yeah. And so I feel like once, and then so once we get through that and then now we can really recognize these gifts, then I think it's too about placing ourselves in an environment where we can really flourish and excel in these gifts and mm. also placing ourselves within organizations that we work well in. Because sometimes... Like or maybe I'm, you own business if you have that entrepreneur. Absolutely. Right. Because I know a lot of people who are like, they were like, I was terrible in school. I couldn't do this, whatever, whatever. But they make amazing business people because that's where their gifts and talents lead them. And the structure and the strictness of a school environment doesn't work it with them. It just wasn't for them. Right. But give them the risk and the creativity and all of that of being an entrepreneur they are thriving. Right. And so it's really about finding the environment that's best for you. And sometimes people like, I am a mid-sized company kind of girl. I can, I can work within a large company. I've worked within massive, like global companies before. Um, but I kind of get lost in there a little bit because I also, I do well with like being able to like that team environment of truly having like good like personal relationships with the people that you work around and having some level of intimacy where you know the people. So in a massive global organization, I tend to get lost within that environment a little bit and I can be successful in there up into a point. Mm. And I've always, and I always found myself, I would leave, like I would be there for a year and then I would leave and then I'd be in another one and then I'd leave and I, and I, 
there were multiple reasons for why, but I think that was a part of it was that it wasn't the right environment for me. Whereas some, for some other people, if they're in like a small, a very small business where it's like a mom and pop, you know, own it and there's four employees, they're like, that's not the environment for them. Like they need that big, like massive, big, massive uh, company. Corporation, yeah. Corporate. Yeah. And they're like, like I could just it. like fight and grow my way. Yes. So also kind of recognizing those things within yourself and being like, what kind of environment do I thrive in? And then what kind of role do I thrive in that allows me to use my gifts and talents to the fullest? Or am I putting myself, it's always great to like work on the things that you're not good at and to try to shore up those weaknesses. But if you're putting yourself in a role where what you're being asked of, the majority of what you're being asked of does not play to your strengths, it's much harder to be successful because you're not playing to your strengths within that role. And so when I look at people who are very successful, I look at people who know what their strengths are, know what kind of environment they thrive in, they put themselves in that environment, they play to their strengths, and then they recruit for themselves a team if they're a business owner or they work within a team that is really, really good at the things that they are not good at. Talking about success, now you started you, you started touching success and I'm like, okay, <laughs> it, now it has sparked something in me. So talking about success, if you think about one person, you know, that Marisa thinks that is successful, that you admire as a successful person, who would that be? Huh. Well, that's an interesting question. There are, I mean, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that I can look at that I would say that. Um, I look at, like, I look at my, my personal supervisor, Pastor LaCrease. I look at my, you know, the pastor of my church, Pastor Diego. Um, but I also look at to... Um, Let's just one person. Just one person. Because I I wanna I wanna I wanna get in a little bit deeper. And and, and that's that's why I'm asking, okay, out of everyone you know. Yeah. You know, if you put everything on the balance, I'm not saying one is more successful than another. What I'm saying is according to what you see, experience, and live within these 28 years, who is that one person that you have admired and say, wow, that is a successful person? The reason why I'm asking that is because Elon Musk mm -hmm. is a very successful person to some, mm -hmm. okay? And maybe to the majority. But I can see a very successful father that have a great relationship with their kids and have a great relationship with his wife. And that to me would be a very successful man. Yeah. Talking along those lines. So as an overall picture... Who would be that one person if we're talking success in a lot of different areas? Okay, now I got to think about it because now you're giving me like other. And like the, th the thing, and, and, and the thing is, Marisa, because success, uh, it can be defined in a lot of different areas. You know, it can be defined in a lot of different ways. For some, is the pursuit of happiness. For some, success can be. Uh, well, success is for me just taking the next step every single day, getting up and taking that extra step. That is success. I'm having success throughout my day. Mm -hmm. You know, for some success will be, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I strive to be this great husband and great and great parent. And, yeah. and that may be success for them. Yeah. You know, so for you. 
Okay. Well, can I, rather than just pinpoint one person, can I tell you what I, what I would look at or how I would see that as? Yeah. That's so. And then the question will be, how would you describe success? Okay. What does success looks like for you? And on those, whatever you're going to describe what success is for us, you yeah. know, according to, according to uh, what you're about to share, if you can think about one person that you admire and you want to learn from that one person. Yeah. Okay. That's the thing. I'm like, ah, how do I know? Because it's like I learn from different people for like different things. Um, so, okay. So I would first say when I, from, especially right now, when I'm looking at success and how I view success is really understanding my calling, understanding purpose, and walking in what I was created to do. Um, because I, because I firmly believe that we're all created by God for a purpose and that we all have an assignment. We're all called to something. And so understanding that and walking in that. But with that, I would also say success is not just like, not just maintaining what you were given, not just maintaining what you have, but multiplying it. So really looking at that, I think sometimes we, you know, like say if you're a business owner or something, or like let's say you inherited a business from like your father was handed down from your grandfather, your father, something like that, and now it's your business. To me, success would not be just maintaining the legacy that was handed down to you, but exponentially growing it, multiplying it, and that would be success. And now even if you just maintained it and you were, say, you know, the company's very successful, the shareholders are all happy, you're making millions of dollars, whatever it is, to me, if you're just plateauing and of a level, it's, that's not success. Success is when you multiply. Success is when you grow from whatever, from wherever you are or whatever it is that you do. Great. With that definition, mm -hmm. did someone came to your mind while you were uh, sharing that with us? There is one person that I thought of, that everybody that I mentioned so far, yes, but there's another person that I thought of um, his name is Jeff Levitan, and he's somebody that I met in a previous company that I was working with. And um, he's somebody where I heard one person say this about him, where he goes, prosperity follows. And so wow. <laughs> he, uh, he's a business owner um, who was very, very successful, very young and very early. And he retired at like 30 or 31 or something like that because he was making, you know, I think he was making like seven figures or something like that. His business was doing very well. And so he was kind of like, I can kick it and have a great time. And he realized very quickly how unfulfilling that was. And so he was like, okay, what's the mission or the purpose of my life? And from that, he built, um, he created a nonprofit organization that builds what he calls prosperity centers in different third world countries around the world. And so they build orphanages and um, like schools and health clinics for orphans in third world countries. And he's um, you know, he's married, he has a, a wonderful family, but then he also, he has um, his kids, I believe, I want to say four kids, and, um, and then he adopted a fifth one. If I'm forgetting a child, forgive me, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, then he also adopted a child from one of the countries that they went into, but his, um, 
his mission is just to continue to reach and reach more people and to continue to build those prosperity centers. And when I look at, um, when I look at him and I, when I look at his legacy, he's somebody who is, a, I think, a great example of, and on him it's a very, very large scale, um, but I think he's a great example of somebody who's not content to just maintain at whatever level. He, he knows what his gifts and his talents are. He found the company. He found the business that works for him. And not all of us are going to become millionaires. We're not all called to be millionaires. Um, that happened to be his path and that happened to be his walk. But through that, so much of his focus and of what he does is not about money. It's about serving people and really helping people and continuing to grow in those areas. And so, and kind of like how I said, where he retired really young and then was like, I got to find like a purpose and a calling. And then from there, that nonprofit was able to be birthed and to grow. I think it's that kind of thing of being like, let me look beyond myself and let me see like, what, what was I here to, what am I here to do? Because our gifts and our talents are not for us, they're to serve others. And so when we really tap into that and really hone in on what those gifts and talents are and where it is that we're called to be, it's always going to be something that will get residual benefits from it too. His gifts and talents help make him millions of dollars, yay. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's more about serving is more about serving others and about reaching others. And so, um, and his, everything that he does just continues to grow and continues to multiply. And so. What was the one thing that you learned from him? One thing, just, just share with us one thing that really got in you and you said, thank you. Because whether was it a close relationship or was it like a far relationship, whatever it was, I learned this from that one person. Yeah. I think for me, it was that he really sparked in me because I always had that desire on my heart. And this was pre-Jesus, by the way, when I was, um, when I knew him, when I was um, like, I, I wasn't like working with him, but I, yeah, I knew him, got to have dinner with him and stuff like that. And so with him and like several other people, but one of the things that I really just remember from that mm -hmm. is his how like his heart like how much he just genuinely loved people how much he just loves people how much he saw people um and just how much he wanted like he I remember seeing his, like, he doesn't just do, like, a business plan. He does, like, a life plan. And I remember seeing his life plan, and he was like, I want to adopt. Like, he just, like, I want to adopt another child from here. I want to adopt a child from here. He's like, you know what? We got the room. I've got the love. We've got the space. Like, mm. he, you know, like, was just his heart and mm. his heart for just wanting to reach people. And that was something that really inspired me mm. that I was like, I, like, I want to do that. Like, I want to be able to really just reach people mm. and to serve. And I love kids. I'm a big heart <laughs> for kids, um, which was why I think I really, like, resonated with him and with his story. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I was just, like, I want to put myself in a position where I can be that effective mm. to that so many good. people. So good. You know, so something came right now. And uh, I just remember about this saying that it, it goes, uh, people don't care how much you know, 
until they know how much you care. And hearing your story, what you really learn from him, and you, I mean, right away you said uh, how he loved people, his heart. Uh, that came to my mind. Now, before we are getting into uh, our closing thoughts, the question that I want to ask you now is, what piece of advice would you share with someone like me that loves to learn to your younger self? And why would you share that piece of advice with us? Hmm, that's a good question. Growing is painful. Growing can be very painful. And sometimes, and I know for myself in the past, I've shied away from that pain, wanting to protect myself, but healing is on the other side of that pain and really coming into who you are called to be is on the other side of that. And so sometimes we have hurts from our past. We have things that we hold on to and we bury them within ourselves. And we say, I'm over it. Like I've let it go. I don't want to think about it anymore. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm moving forward. But the truth is we never actually dealt with it and we never actually healed from it. And so as we continue to walk forward, I know in my case, I invested a lot of money in conferences and like self-development and reading books. And I was listening to podcasts. I was doing a lot of different things, but I noticed I was on this cyclical pattern where, cause I, so for me, to be real, um, when I was, please be real, <laughs> please be raw and real. <laughs> so for me, so when I was, um, I struggled a lot with depression and with anxiety. Um, mm. it started when I was about 12, um, right when I was hitting puberty and it continued all the way through, um, until I was in my mid going into my late twenties. And why do you think you were going through that? I mean, if, if you can go back and think about, you know, that moment, because you, you very clearly said when I was about 12. Yeah, honestly, I think it's not like I had any kind of like traumatic event. I mm -hmm. honestly, I had a very, very blessed childhood. Okay. Um, both parents still together in the household. Like, ev like I had a very, very blessed childhood. Wonderful parents. I honestly think that it was just a quirk of my brain because it wasn't like, and I would go through periods of depression and I went through like, um, I went through like counseling and stuff like that. And, um, they said I had major depressive disorder and it's not like anything, but sometimes something could trigger it, but sometimes nothing would trigger it. And I would go from being okay one day to the next day, just being completely in a deep depression. And it would last for weeks, hmm. weeks and weeks. And, and then, and then it would just lift. And it was something that, I never felt like I had any control over. I never felt like I could really do much about. Wow. And I would I would go to counseling, especially when I was in college. I went to therapy, and that helped manage it. Um, but it was this constant cycle, and I would I, I would always go through phases where I'm like you know what I'm I'm over it, like I've, I'm past this, I'm good. But it would especially the anxiety, it would just rear itself right back around, and wow. so. I'm 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 thinking through whatever you're saying right now, and I'm I'm surprised about it. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I, I've known you for a few years already, and I have never thought that you will 
have gone through that episode because you are always very energetic, very um, happy most of the time. Yeah, when I say happy, I mean, you always, you always <laughs> smiling and, and loving on people. You know, uh, sharing your knowledge, sharing who you truly are. Uh, I I seen you up on the stage and. You look like you're not nervous, which you may be nervous, but you look like you're not nervous. It seems like it seems like you have your life under control in a way. Well, you know, but now it looks you're, to you're, be deceiving. Although I will say now, now I, what honestly, it was something that I got healed from when I came to Christ. So I don't struggle with us, depression now. Walk anymore. us a little bit through that. How did you find help? What helped you? Maybe our listeners are probably going through depression and they, were, they don't even know it. Yeah. Can you talk about probably uh, some of the symptoms that you had? Did you recognize it right away? And, and what helped you, you know, after or what helped you really to overcome that? Yeah. So this is, and I feel like this is kind of going to like over, like what I was saying overall, because I, I did everything that I could, I felt like in the natural to try to, like to try to beat it. And I like I I went through therapy and I therapy is great. Therapy is very, very helpful. And I would go back through counseling. And um, but especially when I got into adulthood, I noticed this pattern of I would, you know, kind of get my coping skills down, you know, I'd be, you know, managing it very well. And then a life circumstance would change or something, or I would, you know, go live in a third world country or something like that, which is very stressful. And then that would trigger <laughs> a whole lot, <laughs> you know, like all of a sudden the coping skills are not working because they're not enough. Mm. And, and I would be like right back into square one. Um, but kind of what I was saying before, like when I was in high school, I, I didn't see any rhyme or reason to it. It was like, I just felt like it would, it would just come, it would just come on me. And then sometimes it would lift and then it would come and then it would lift. And I, and I was trying to, I was always, and that's part of why I studied psychology in college, because I was just trying to figure out my own brain. And I was like, why am I the way that I am? I have two sisters. Neither of them went through that struggle. And I was like, why am I the weird one? Why do I seem to be different? I don't get it. Um, and I, but I will say that for me, it honestly, and all of the therapies, great, you know, different techniques and stuff like that. And coping skills, they were all great, but what healed me was Christ. Mm. And I will always stand on that. And so for me, when I came, when I came to Christ and I laid that at his feet and I really started to seek after him and I put my focus on him. And there's a verse in the Bible that talks about when you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be given to you. And it's talking about, you know, like, um, you know, what your clothes and your, your house and your provision and that kind of thing. Um, but I truly believe that because when I, I'm like an all or nothing person, I'm a hundred or zero. So when I came to Christ, I was like, okay, if we're doing this, we're doing this. Mm. Like, I'm not, you know, kind of flip flopping around or being half, you know, about it. Like, right. You go so all I, in. I'm going all in. So I was like, okay. So I'm like, let's, like, I was spending so much time just in my word and in prayer. And I did have, um, I want to say it was like maybe two months after I came to Christ that I did um, have another depressed like episode. And I was, I was pissed. I was like, no, <laughs> this isn't supposed to happen anymore. Like, you know, and I was mad and I was, and I remember just like crying and just being like, 
And honestly, it wasn't even that deep of a depression, but I think that I just didn't expect it to come. But I remember just crying and crying to God and saying, why haven't you taken this from me? Like, you must not really love me. If you loved me, you would have taken this from me. Mm. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, I sent my son for you. And it just kind of stopped me mm. in my tracks. And I, and I kind of froze in that moment. Um, and, but I, I felt this kind of, and it just checked me in that moment. And I felt this peace come over me. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm giving this, I'm going to give this to you mm. and I'm, and I'm going to leave this with you and I'm going to believe you for my healing. And I'm going to believe you that when, when your son died on the cross for me, that he didn't die just for me to like suffer through life and go to heaven, but that he died for me to be healed, that, that the kingdom of God starts now and mm. that all I have to do is receive what has already been promised because there's so many scriptures that talk about, and I've heard pastors say this, like, you know, like people will say sometimes like, oh, maybe it's not in God's will to heal me. False. Mm. It's in his will. It's in the Bible. It's in scripture. By his stripes, we are healed. Right. That is a promise that we can stand on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, in his will, in, it's in his will to heal you. And so for me, I just had to, and I can't say what it is for everybody, but right. for me, I had to just receive that. And I had to take my mind off of, and you know, the enemy likes to attack you wherever it is that you have vulnerabilities. And that was my area of vulnerability. That's where he liked to attack. And so I just had to learn too, how to, how to really speak scripture at that and how to pray through that. And honestly, I will say that from that time up until now, which is like, I think it's been over two years, I have not had another depressed episode Mm. since then. And I've never gone over two years. Like that's never happened. Like it, it, that left me. Right. Um, so translating all of that, what you say probably sounds more like you believe God that he's going to do his part. Yeah. But at the same Absolutely. time, you <laughs> were doing your part. Yes. Yeah. Which your part was uh, doing, believing in him, having faith in him. Yeah. That he was going to heal you. And also really like being proactive. Sometimes I think, like, and when I say proactive, I mean, like, sometimes you got to confront things. Right. And it kind of goes back to what I was also saying before about, like, sometimes we bury things and say, I'm, you know, I don't want to think about it. I'm moving past it. I'm moving forward. And then here we end up in this cycle. And it's like, how am I here again? How am I back dealing with the same issue? How am I struggling with this again? And it's like, because we never actually got healed from whatever mm. it is that caused that thing to happen. Like, and so for for me, I'm a firm believer. It like you gotta confront certain demons. Right. So like if if you are struggling, like for me, with struggling when I struggled with depression or when I struggled with anxiety, it was about like I couldn't just try to be like, let me just forget about it. Let me just like take this off of like my mind or something. It's like, no, no, no. I gotta speak some scripture at this. I gotta like confront this and confront that lie with the truth, because that voice in my head, you know, telling me that I'm worthless or that my life isn't worth anything. And like, why am I here? And I should just let everything go. And I should just all of that kind of stuff. Like that's, that was, that was a lie. And that was not the truth. And just trying to say, no, I'm not listening to you and putting my fingers in my ear. That voice just gets louder. Like you have to, you have to confront that voice and not let those things stand. And I've been very blessed in having people around me people who are strong, people who are strong of God, who if I don't catch it, if I'm 
thinking something or like, you know, like, oh gosh, like, you know, just those thoughts that you have sometimes of like, oh gosh, I don't think I can do it or I'm not good enough or something like that. Yeah. I'm blessed that if I don't catch it, I have amazing friends around me who, if I voice that, Mm -hmm. they'll be like, smack me upside my head and be like, uh, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Uh, no, <laughs> that is not the truth. Right. And, mm. and they'll, they'll confront that. And I'll be like, whoa, yes, wow. right. Got it. You're right. What am I thinking? And, mm. and so you got to like, you got to check these things and right. not just let them stand. Cause. So you're telling me that, uh, your faith in God yeah. and community has helped you to overcome that part of your life. Yeah. Now, Briefly, and if we talk about key points, because it sounds like you can identify when depression is coming your way. It sounds like you can identify it at least within yourself. Yeah, or not so much depression. I just notice when I get into the because negative the negative self talk, right. which what I was talking about in the beginning of this podcast. Because mm-hmm. I was an I negative self talk mm-hmm. for my whole entire life. I was my harsh like for most people harshest critic. I would say terrible things about. If somebody else said the things about me that I said about me, mm-hmm. I'd have punched them in their face. <laughs> like I don't know why I allowed myself to mm-hmm. say that about me, and so. So you, do, like, do, 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 in a way, do you think depression or maybe uh, one of the steps or one of the uh, key things of people being depressed, is it because of what they're thinking about themselves? Yeah. And honestly, I don't want to, I don't want to give like a, I, there's no one size fits all for depression. For depression, that's like a very, sometimes it's based, sometimes it's just a hormonal imbalance within, okay. or like, or a chemical, sorry, not hormonal, a chemical, a chemical imba- imbalance. imbalance within the brain, um, which was what one therapist had told me that she suspected was what was going on with me. Mm. Um, which is also why I think it was something that like, um, and I am not somebody, I, I don't like, I don't like drugs. I don't mm. like medications. Right. I'm not about that life. It's not for me. So I was like, well, we going to figure out some way to get through this. And so for me, I believe too, like that, that is where my healing came from. But for some people, depression or anxiety, that's triggered by some, a traumatic event, a, like a loss in their life, something that's happened. Mm. And so when it's something that when depression comes because of those things, then you have to deal with the source of it, which for me, the source was maybe a chemical imbalance. It wasn't mm-hmm. like something happened to me and now I'm depressed. Right. But if you, yeah, if you lost a loved one, if you know, you're dealing with financial stress, job loss, all of these kinds of things, like some kind of trauma, like all of these things absolutely lead to depression and can lead to depression. And in which case I think that it's, in those cases, it's really about going back to that source, that cause, whatever it is, and really being healed from that. Mm. Because that's because that's a different separate issue from like maybe me where right. it was more of just a chemical thing. Like, yeah. what's wrong with my brain? Yeah. Thank, thank, thank you so much for sharing, you know, everything that you have shared with us. Uh, before we close, mm-hmm. uh, I would like for you to introduce yourself. I know you talk a little bit about yourself at the beginning of the program, but actually, like, uh, I'd like to introduce yourself uh, about who you are, where you're coming from, a little bit of your back history, and uh, where can we find out more about yourself? Okay. So, 
Okay, now how much of my back history do you want? Like, ask me some specific questions because I don't want to go too deep. And you're like, oh, wow, she's going way back. <laughs> we don't need all that. <laughs> well, where, you, where are your parents from? Uh, specifically, uh, what country uh, are you uh, born here? You know, okay. things yes. like that. And uh, what is what? I mean, we already know you love to travel. Yep. Right. And part of your bucket list is do uh, like a backpacking in uh, South Africa. Yeah, you know? Namibia, Botswana, right. Zimbabwe. Right. So uh, we, we like to know uh, a little bit more about you and where can our listeners and audience can uh, find out more uh, about yourself. Okay. So, um, yeah, my parents are from the Caribbean. Um, so they're from a little island called Dominica. It is not the Dominican Republic. It's not the Dominican Republic. I Different thought it was. island. No. I thought it was. Different island. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, this is the misconception that everybody Okay. So the Dominican Republic, okay, we were Dominica first. Okay. okay. And they used to be like San Salvador or something like that. And then they became the Dominican Republic like later on in their history. And so, but everybody knows the DR and Dominica is like teeny, teeny, tiny. Um, and it's like, you know, way less traveled. And so people don't, but we were the original okay. Dominicans, just saying. Um, Thank you for clarifying <laughs> that because I was so, I, I thought it was a Dominican Republic. No, Dominica. So yeah, so okay. both of my parents are from there. They immigrated here in mm -hmm. their, um, in their adulthood. And then me, uh, my sisters and I were all born here in the States. Um, and yeah, my, you went to school and graduated. Yeah. So I actually, fun fact about me. So I was actually homeschooled mm. for junior high and high school. Um, and then I went to Chapman university for my, um, for college. Okay. Yeah. I studied, um, psychology, like I mentioned. So I got a, a BA in psychology and I also got a BFA in creative writing. Do you think, uh, school is important for, uh, I had asked, someone asked me this question and, and it goes along the lines of like, uh, what about, you know, if you're transitioning from high school to college, what would you say to those kids that are transitioning? Is it important to go to school? Is it more about like their passion, their gifting? What can you tell them? I would say that college can be useful if you know why you're going. I think a lot of teenagers coming out of high school just go straight to college because that's what's expected or that's what their parents told them to do kind of thing. Um, and they have no idea what they want to study. They have no idea what they're interested in, none of that. And then they waste money and years and time taking a whole lot of different classes and trying to and switching their majors 10 million times. And if this was your life, I'm not, I'm like not trying to like give you a hard time, but it's the truth of kind of, of what happens a lot. Um, And I just think that it's not the most effective way to go about things. I think that I like I have um, several like European friends and what they did and more of their tradition from where they were from was not to go straight into college after high school, but it was to take a year or two off to intern in different industries, to travel um, to different places. Obviously, if you can Experience afford to life do that, in a, a, like, yeah. at a different label than just school, then just mm. going to straight to school. And then from that, they were like, okay, now I know I like this industry. Now I know that this is what I want to do. And then from there they went to school and studied that specific mm. thing to be able to get a degree for whatever it is that they wanted to do, as right. opposed to the reverse where we spend all this, all these years, all this money and time on a degree come to find out, Oh, actually I don't really like that 
you know, right. I don't really like this field. Right. I'm not actually really enjoying this. Like this isn't what I want to do. Mm. And so if you can, I know this is not possible for everybody, but right. if you can like really get some experience under your belt a little bit and discover more, unless you know, like for me, when I went into college from high school into college, like I knew what I wanted to study. I knew what I was interested in, but even with me, I knew what I wanted to do. I was very specific about it. And then come to find, I still like creative writing. I believe I'll write at some point in my life that mm. that's going to come back into the fold. But I thought I was going to be like an editor or something like that <laughs> and like publishing books or whatever, like straight out of college. I thought that's what I was going to do. And then mm. I discovered actually, no, like this is, this is not my path. So even for me, like I was very dead set on what I wanted to do going into college. And then that also kind of changed. Mm. So I, yeah, I don't, if I try to think about, I don't know, if I try to think of somebody who came out of high school, knew what they wanted to do, studied it, got into the career field, is doing what they studied and loves it and it's exactly where they want to be, I cannot think of a person. I really can't. So <laughs> I think we got to like rethink how we right. do that. And I would also say too, when it comes to picking schools, we got to be like also like really um, – you got to like, ha oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know what word I'm looking for, but really consider the school that you pick and look at like one of the things that was of benefit to me going to Chapman was that there were some really, really good intern opportunities there um, that I was able to have. And they've been really to since even since I graduated until now, they've been really building up their alumni program. And so there's certain schools that have great relationships with a lot of different companies, a lot of different industries. They're mm -hmm. able to help their students like when it comes to networking, when it comes to getting internships, when it comes to getting jobs post college, like post-graduation, all that kind of stuff, they're like really well connected. Mm. And so that's a school that is a little bit like all that money you're shelling out to go there makes it a little bit more worth it as opposed to the school that has no connections, no relationships in, you know, in the job market and you come out of it and it's like, you're out here on your own mm. trying to break into the industry and you've got no ins. Like pick a school that's going to give you some ins. Right. Great, great, great advice, you know, for those people that are transitioning from uh, high school to, to college. Thank you. Now, uh, where can we uh, find out more about yourself? Hmm. That's a funny thing. So I am the worst millennial in the world, and I'm basically not on social media kind of at all. Okay. I keep trying, um, and I keep hating it. So, uh, yeah. So I'm like, if you want to email me or something mm -hmm. like that, you can do that. Okay. Uh, yeah. But I'm What's like, What's your email? My email is Marissa M A R I S S A, and then an underscore John J O H N at outlook.com. So Marissa underscore John at outlook.com. Um, but yeah, otherwise you can find me at a bundle of family church. I'm here basically every day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Any last words you would like to say to our listeners? Um, just th thank you for listening to me ramble on. Um, I hope that you got, I hope I gave anything of value to you. Um, I hope that, um, as you just continue to seek out and to learn more and to grow more, um, 
anybody I think who's on this podcast has that heart or has that spirit that they want to learn and they want to grow. And so just lean into that, especially this year. Uh, it's been a crazy year. It'd be really easy to just say there's too much going on. I'm too stressed out to really invest in myself and to invest in growing and really seeking what is for me. And so, but I like just keep doing that, you know, so through difficult seasons um, so that you're really able to to reap on the other side of it. And so thank you. Thank you for having me, Miguel. I hope I said something of <laughs> value or use. Um, yeah. And then if not, oh, no, well. No, definitely. Thank, thank you so much, Marisa, for uh, making the time and being here with us. Thank you, the audience, for listening. And uh, like I said again uh, at the beginning, if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram, miguelaquino one or you can send me an email, luismidw at gmail.com. I would greatly appreciate any comment, question, or even if you want to be part of the podcast. And uh, thank you, Marisa, again. And guys, thank you. Until next time. This has been Raw and Real with real people and real life stories. Thanks again for tuning in. And remember this, you can spend your life any way you want to but you can only spend it once, spend it wisely.